Well, for further analysis on those market moves, I'm joined by Kwebis Porchita from Sound and Cross Capital. Thank you so much for your time, Kwebis. The markets really seem to be going into a tailspin uh, today, Kwebis. So what exactly is driving that negative sentiment? Higher for longer. Okay. And, uh, if, if that's the narrative we are getting from the market, ultimately, I mean, uh, we've seen inflation rates cool overall in terms of the, the top line numbers, but the core number in Europe has achieved a record today. This is the highest print since the Euro, Eurozone started in the late 90s. Sure. So it seems that consumer that sort of uh, uh, inflation is going to remain sticky. We're seeing pressure from the public sector union in uh, the major public sector union in Germany pushing for a 10.5% wage increase. This is something that is unheard of in Western Europe uh, and uh, something that the ECB considers completely unsustainable in trying to maintain uh, a stable monetary outlook. So ultimately what the market is starting to digest is this concept of not only rates going higher than we expected, and there have been shifts there. The market is now expecting short-term rates in the U.S. to peak at 5.5%. It was looking for a peak of under four, four, under 5% just two short months ago and 4% in, in the Eurozone. And not only that, I think the major thing is we were looking for cuts towards the end of this year. And at the moment, that seems completely unlikely. Yeah, um, indeed. It, completely it different. Like we're going to... Yeah, I was going to say a completely different story from what we had at the beginning of the year when markets were so convinced that the Fed is going to start cutting um, in the second half of 2023. So what you're basically saying right now is that although we are seeing inflation uh, cooling down, we are starting to see that disinflationary process, but we are now starting to see kind of second round effects where people are demanding more wages because it does remain persistently high. Yes, yes. And that's why we always have to look at the core inflation number. The headline yeah. number is the flashy one because yeah. it moves a lot because food is seasonal and the oil price gets manipulated by uh, by dodgy rations. And, uh, uh, but the reality is that core inflation reflects consumer expectations. And ultimately, once we get high, you know above, above normal wage settlements, consumer remains sticky, uh, inflation remains sticky, and it's really difficult to bring that back. And I think uh, as as the outlook changes for the um, uh, for inflation, we're going to see more of the one or more of these sell-offs. But I wouldn't call it you know sort of devastation just yet. Yeah. And of course, part of the reason we are seeing this is that across the board, uh, the numbers, uh, the the fiscal numbers are looking are looking encouraging. We're seeing the employment numbers uh, improving in the legs of Spain and Germany and the US. Yeah. That that labor market remains incredibly robust. So that uh, that long forecasted recession seems to seems to be pushed out 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 yeah and because of that we're not likely to see relief uh, from a monetary policy perspective anytime soon yeah all right well let's take a look at some of the numbers that came out of the jsc today including implants uh so uh, reporting a slight lowering in headline earnings per share there uh pgm pricing still strong still supporting uh, that profit a number of challenges though operationally and cost wise asking that share price down five percent at the moment is there anything that stuck out for you in those numbers or what you think the markets are holding on to? So uh, it's a tricky one. I mean, nothing's unexpected. I would say given the backdrop which they have disclosed, this is a decent operational performance and they're all well diversified. They're not as concentrated as some of the other names that have seen 
really, really difficult, you know, uh, operational outlooks because, you know, if you've got a single mine in a single region, ultimately, if there's a lot of load shedding there, you're going to, you're going to suffer. So they are better at diversify from that perspective. But ultimately, you know, the outlook doesn't look all that rosy. One of the interesting things is that uh, uh, Nikuma Little CEO, he you chatting to later, has essentially indicated that they might be growing fed up with this real Buffer King situation yeah. and uh, uh, that they might, might walk away and they might need to look for alternative uh, means of growing the business. Maybe the market doesn't like that. Ultimately, you know, that's been baked into the price at this mm. stage. The market was expecting that deal to close and for them to get their hands on those rights and those, and those call them greenfields opportunities that Royal Buffer King would bring for them to leverage their existing refinement and mining base and, and, and build out the business that way. Yeah. And now it looks like it's possible that they're going to be forced to, uh, um, to go look elsewhere. And this is the first time we've really seen them waver in this deal. And, and indicate that they may be willing to walk away. Up to this stage, I was convinced that they would settle yeah. this deal, uh, whatever the cost was. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go into private uh, education. Kuro coming out with full year results today. Um, on the face of it, everything seeming like it was good revenue up 17.3%, core profit up by a similar margin, recurring headline earnings per share climbing by uh, more than a third. But looking at that uh, stock price, market not too thrilled <laughs> about those numbers. Uh, what did the markets take out of that? Like you say, on the face of it. Yeah. But uh, if we have if we have a look at the uh, non-recurring headline earnings or just earnings per share, yeah. you'll see then the picture is nowhere near as rosy because once again, there is a, an enormous impairment charge that went through on on, on property plant equipment. Yeah. Um, and ultimately what this comes down to is the business model is not attractive as the as was advertised to the market back when this was a darling of the stock exchange. Mm. You, as you mentioned, 800 million being provisioned for further enhancement. Ultimately, what that comes down to is we've got to spend money on maintaining these schools. Yeah. And the return on capital that was expected for this business is simply not materializing. And that's part of why we are seeing this renewed focus on profitability and bringing value to shareholders and essentially trying to improve margins because the business is simply not as profitable as was expected. I think the, I think the market may be missed. We're talking 10 years ago when this thing came to market and was a darling that uh, you know, schools need to be maintained. Schools need to be upgraded. There's yeah. all of these costs that come with it. On top of that, we've seen uh, a struggle in making collections. I mean, the consumers under pressure, people having trouble paying school fees and private school is very expensive. They've even sold off the so-called uh, non-active uh, debtors book, which is learners that have left the school either through matriculating or literally left because they couldn't their parents couldn't pay anymore yeah. there's still a lot of bad debt there and they've had to sell that off and they're having trouble collecting that debt so overall like you said on the face of it, it looks like a decent result a lot of that is sort of a post-covid bounce as the consumer has recovered from that environment but ultimately nothing exciting and yeah. the return on capital remains very constrained yeah all right well i will be going through those issues with the ceo i'll be talking to the ceo later on um let's get to your stock pick uh Gubbers. bell okay bell equipment is my stock pick it's something a little different 
I think given given the macroeconomic backdrop that we are that, that that we have at the moment, and this is a special case. We saw the founders, the Bell family, trying to take out the business uh, a few short months ago at a ridiculously low price, off the back of sort of call it COVID fear, I guess. Um, which was quite opportunistic, but ultimately the market saw through that and refused to accept it. Um, the business is hoarding cash off the back of that because it was a proposed kind of buyback transaction and the results are going to be very good. It's been indicated to us via trading statement that they're expecting at least, and these are their words, of 420 cents per share which is an enormous bump from the previous year, add that to to, uh, to the existing capital. And we expect a very, very attractive dividend from this business, yeah. which is trading at a ridiculously cheap multiple. So we are expecting either a massive capital release, which will be a nice event, or another attempt to take out uh, the existing, you know, the minority shareholders, which would yeah. be us. Um, uh, by the fund, by the founding shareholders, and, and ultimately that creates this additional optionality in addition to a very cheap, cheap in, entry point into this attractive asset. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and for your analysis today, Akubis. Uh, that was uh, Southern Across uh, Capitals, Akubis um, uh, Borghiter. Uh,